0: Broadway for Tuesday, May 7th, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tammanini. And I'm Broadway star's James Marino. James, we have a hearty congratulations. We've been talking about the Daytime Emmy Awards and how confusing they are as to who actually gets the honor of being an Emmy winner. I don't know if this is true or not, but I am saying that our own Jan Simpson is now an Emmy winner because Theatre Talk uh, won an Emmy Award over the weekend. Um, I don't know if she's an Emmy winner, but she's an Emmy winner in my heart. And by... Extension, so is the guest on our show today, whom we're gonna to talk to here in just a few minutes, one Adam Feldman. So uh again, we don't really understand how awards work, but we are definitely gonna use this to our own benefit and our friends benefit as well.
1: I'm gonna give Jan a Nobel as well. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I think she's that's got fair. the e got or NEGOT. NEGOT. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, NEGOT's better. All right. Uh, so first up in the news, New York Drama Critics Circle announces its 2019 winners. Yes,
0: yesterday afternoon, the New York Drama Critics Circle met to determine their 84th annual award winners. The organization selected Jez Butterworth's The Ferryman as their best play. Tootsie was named the best musical, and Heidi Schreck's What the Constitution Means to Me was named the best American play. Special, special citations were awarded to theater companies Page 73 in the Irish Repertory Theater, as well as the National Yiddish Theater Folksbane's production of Fiddler on the Roof. Now, the New York Drama Critics Circle is comprised of 19 drama critics from daily newspapers, magazines, wire services, and websites based in the New York metropolitan area, and it has given out awards every year since 1936. For the second year in a row, we are delighted to be joined by the organization's president, Time Out New York's Adam Feldman. Adam, thank you for joining us for the second year in a row. Um, This year's announcements, much less dramatic, perhaps, uh, than last year's, at least on the outside, when you did not name a best musical, but... The first question that immediately came to mind when I saw the press release was whether or not Hades Town was ineligible because of its previous off-Broadway run and looking at the ballots you guys are completely transparent the ballots went up about 20 25 minutes before we uh, started our conversation now that I can see the ballots it is, seems very clear that Hades Town was not eligible correct that
2: is correct Hades Town was not eligible this year uh, basically the award is for new shows and Hadestown had been considered two years ago when it had played at New York Theatre Workshop, and it lost that year to the band's visit, and it's kind of unfortunate for some. I, th- I think there were a lot of critics on the on the panel this year who were very enthusiastic about Hadestown, would like to have voted for it, and uh, we did have a discussion about it last week, about whether we should uh, consider it a new piece, but ultimately it was decided that it was not eligible this year, and so we voted for the ones that were.
0: Definitely makes a ton of sense, but I am glad that you had that conversation. And what I always love about your awards is, as I said, they are completely transparent. And so much to the fact that you actually give the ballot breakdown of what everyone voted for in the different rounds. But one thing I want to ask about here is, in all of the categories, it goes from first ballot to third ballot. What are you hiding in that second ballot, Adam? What are you trying to (laughs) keep secret? We're
2: hiding nothing. If you read the uh, introductory text, (laughs) and I know it's it's, it's very small. Who who reads reads Um, instructions? If you read the very fine print at the top of the page, you'll see uh, that we have a second ballot after the first ballot. In which we decide whether to give an award at all, and so that's a that's just a yes no ballot. It doesn't really um, it isn't really that interesting, um, and that but I mean last year that that is what happened with uh, with best musical that it was decided on that second ballot that there would not be a third ballot, uh, but the third ballot is a is a weighted ballot where we get into sort of uh, we get into the weeds on, on on what people like more than other things. But the, it's kind of like a runoff ballot type thing. Yeah right. So the first ballot is your first choice, and if if something wins a majority on that ballot, then it's done. You know, and if nothing gets a majority on that, then we start naming our top three choices, and with, with a weighted ballot, three points for the top choice, etc. Uh, and and that shakes out down down into what could what can be a fourth ballot,
0: um, which happened one, in the place. musical category this year. Right. So this year, uh,
2: no musical had reached the point threshold required to win on the third ballot, and so then it goes on to a runoff among the top four uh, vote getters.
0: So from, you from mentioned there. that there had been a discussion about whether to consider town or not, but when you get in the room, and I know uh, based off some of the, the stuff on the on the ballots that some of these people were voting by proxy, um, but is there any discussion once you're in the room or is it just completely private ballot, no discussion, you say, we're going to our next ballot and then you go uh, and it's vote? Not a,
2: it's not a private ballot. It's a, it's a public ballot. we, we, I mean, people give the ballots and they're they're read aloud. We know sure. what the other people are voting for. Uh, there is some discussion, and there's certainly a lot of discussion around the special citations which we give every year, and which uh, are uh, some of the awards that I'm always happiest about. Um, but the. The truth is, most of us have opinions—pretty strong opinions—already about the shows that we're talking about. You know, that's it is our jobs, and I don't think that very many of us are going to be, you know, swayed or have our opinions radically changed <laughs> by the people at that ta- sure. other people at that table by that point in the process. You know, um, so the, the, where the, where the discussion really can matter is in the discussion of this of the special citations because there's so much work that could be honored. And so people who are especially passionate about one thing or another can, can sway the rest of the group um, in favor of, of one thing or another. This year, we gave three special citations, as we have been doing for the past few years, we've been getting three. Uh, one to the Irish Repertory Theatre for its Sean O'Casey um, uh, season, and uh, also for its 30th anniversary, and to Page 73, which is a wonderful organization, um Uh, That has been at the forefront of discovering new playwrights for 20 years. And to the National Theatre Folksbeams revival of Fiddler, which um, uh, I I think if anyone hasn't seen it, you should go see it. It's just really remarkable.
1: So let me ask you, uh, uh, how uh, how traditionally, if at all, does the drama critics' uh, voting track with the Tony Awards? Does it at all, or...? uh it, can we consider this a uh, uh, you know uh, an indicator or do you think that it's just a totally different animal
2: well i think it's it's not completely unrelated it reflects to some extent enthusiasm within the theater world for certain shows uh and it reflects the i i think a, a certain degree of critical support for certain kinds of shows which often are the shows that the tony awards also like you know, uh, it's not an accident that the critics like these shows. It's usually because they're good shows, um, and again, the Tony Awards uh, often feel the same way. And so, a lot of the time, the, the Tonys end up going to shows that have been widely critically supported, and these then the Drama Critic Circle Awards reflect that critical support in a slightly different way. Um, it's a little tricky to track sometimes because often we're working on a different schedule especially for shows that have moved from off-broadway to broadway Mm -hmm. and so in this case for example as we were just talking about hadestown um uh, you know if you're comparing if you're using a race this year for the tony awards that includes hadestown and tootsie that is not the race that we were looking at in the drama critic circle um ours was about uh town versus the band's visit 2 years ago which was a year before the band's visit was a factor in the Tonys so you know like often there will be those kinds of things where it's it's slightly off angle uh but you know it's it's an indicator i think uh i mean we're not we're not trying to prognosticate the tonys no, no, and we're not we're not and we're not trying to influence the tonys either really but I, I mean it certainly i think i always hope that the tonys reward the best work and uh I, I have ideas about what the best work is, as do all the other critics on the, on this <laughs> in the circle. And then, you know, eventually we kind of reach a little bit of a consensus. And often that consensus, this year, I mean, it's interesting. Sometimes this year was fairly clear in the final vote tallies. Uh, often there can be surprises, and often the ones that win uh, were not everyone's first choice, but sort of end up emerging as a consensus choice uh, because of the nature of the voting. And, I mean, even this year, I don't think Tootsie... Got the most first ballot votes for best musical, hmm. um, but it got the most votes overall once the weighted ballots were in.
1: Let me ask you about Hades Town a little bit. Uh, in your viewings of Hades Town at New York Theatre Workshop and then on Broadway, uh, mm-hmm. did you feel it it, it changed uh, significantly, or or did you feel that the it, changes were a genesis or
2: Well, there were certainly changes in the staging. It went to a very different space. And so it, it, uh, but we're not, the the Drama Critics Circle Award is really more for the writing than it is for the other aspects of the production. And so, um, so, you know, otherwise we could call, you know, the new Oklahoma is certainly very different from the 1943 (laughs) Oklahoma, um, but it's not a new point, you know what I mean? It's It's not a new musical. Uh, and so, so we tend to focus on the writing and, um, And in the writing, I mean, there have been changes to it. I've looked at the scripts. Uh, There there have been some changes, but it's not a wholesale revision Mm -hmm. in a a way that we could – ultimately that we felt uh, as a group uh, that we felt – that it would merit talking about it as a as a new piece of writing. Uh, it's pretty much the same as it was two years ago at, at New York Theatre Workshop, and that's. I mean, we we considered that in the past for other shows as well. Um, when they have when they have changed or when they've moved or uh, when they've been considered. I mean, there have been other factors in past years. Uh, sometimes not all the critics have seen the show, in the first year yeah. it was eligible. You know, and the, so there have been there have been issues with that in the past. That wasn't the case in this case. Everyone had seen Hadestown H- 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 when they voted on it in in, uh, in that season. Um, so, you know, it's, it's it's disappointing, I guess, for people who like Hadestown more than they like the, this year's winner, but that's kind of what happens every year. I mean, there are very strong years where a number of things compete against each other and only one of them can win, and, and then there are softer years, and that's just sort of the way it happens. <laughs> you, can't, you can't sort of just...
1: yeah. Let me change gears for a second here, um, uh, being that you are uh, somebody who went to school up in Cambridge and uh, back right, in 1968, yeah, right, in the Boston area, yeah, in the yeah. Boston area. and 1968, yeah. 1969, the best play, uh, best musical was the 1776, and American Repertory Theater up in uh, Cambridge has now announced that they are going to be doing 1776. <laughs> nice and, yeah, that was, that was yeah. well-
2: I, the... I want to point out that I was not uh, either in Cambridge or alive in 1968. Uh, <laughs> you were not nor the was president. I, no, no, nor in 1776. Old um, <laughs> though I, I may appear.
0: I think it's the uh, I, I, it's the it's a facial hair that throws people off on this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, let me let me get into this real quick. Um, last week we, we talked about the American Repertory Theater season that will include other things like uh, six and Dave Malloy's uh, Moby Dick. We talked about the fact that Diane Paulus would be directing a new production of 1776. Yesterday, the Roundabout Theater Company announced that not only would that production play Cambridge, Massachusetts, it would also play a variety of other cities with dates and locations to be announced later, including one that is announced already, Los Angeles's Center Theater Group's Amundsen Theater, which will be there in July of 2020. And then this production will come to Broadway in spring of 2021. So we're we're kind of stealing the uh, getting the band back together, Scott Rudin uh, approach of announcing shows uh, more than a year uh, in advance, in this case, two years now. Um, But to me, when they're announcing this, obviously – A lot of this is going to be done not when it's on Broadway, but a lot of these productions, both in Cambridge and Los Angeles and around the country, will be done during an election year. You are having somebody uh, helm this production like Diane Paulus, who is not afraid of taking risks with shows. Uh, I would imagine, and and Adam, I'm going to ask you because you are our resident expert of all things Cambridge uh, here, I would imagine that this is not going to be a bunch of uh, white dudes in period costumes doing 1776, like we've seen on Broadway in the past. What do you, what would you think?
2: I I have no idea is the answer. I I have no idea how they intend to uh, arrive at it. No, I I know Um, that. I I want to know what you
0: think.
2: I I mean, I think, uh, I think that, (laughs) well, I think that, that race blind casting has become more popular generally since the last time that this show was revived. And so it would not surprise me whatever to see, um, Different kinds of actors in these in these parts, uh, and certainly to the extent that they are hoping to get any runoff from hamilton uh, <laughs> you know, if you can't see Hamilton, see the other American revolutionary musical the much wider much earlier version <laughs> yes. um, i uh, I think that there's only so much you can do with the way that seventeen seventy six is written It's written in a very different way from hamilton i don't know and i don't think that it would necessarily work to try to to hip it up all that much. Uh, but you know, who knows? I, I, Diane Paulus has a great track record for reinvigorating uh, material that, that might have seemed dated. I know a lot of people were skeptical of, about whether hair could work at all again from roughly the same time as 1776. Uh, and, uh, certainly many aspects of hair are quite profoundly dated in the way that, you know, they, that they're written and that, uh, but I, that production of hers was very refreshing, very successful, and uh, and Pippin also, I think, was uh, was a show that a lot of people thought was kind of maybe out of its time, mm. you know, yeah. was a was a relic of the seventies. And and again, she found a way to to make it very exciting and very very contemporary. and And I hope she'll do the same with seventeen seventy six. That's all I can say. I mean, I I, I I have high hopes for it.
1: So we we probably can't count for Morrissey as John Adams, will we? <laughs> you know who Someone made who okay trivia here who is who made who made their broadway debut as martha jefferson well that was betty Buckley. what you mean betty buckley betty buckley yeah oh, come on it's <laughs> much yeah well you know i do the come easy on. trivia i don't do the i don't do the Peter you're not, you're not yeah exactly
2: <laughs> come on come on you're, this is insulting i think edmund Lindeck was in that if i'm not mistaken who who just died recently, from Sweeney Todd.
1: Yes, you you are a Reverend John Witherspoon. Oh, Reverend And was in Grand Hotel as well, Into the Woods, Merlin, oh, A Doll's Life, yeah. Sweeney Todd, 1776. And, and William
2: Daniels, so, and, and Daniel, so did he turn down his Tony nomination for 1776 because he didn't like being nominated and featured? Did Ooh. that happen? Am I making that I, up in I, my head?
0: Uh, he was definitely nominated for featured, but I don't know that he turned it down. He is still listed as an official nominee, but I think so was Julie Andrews when she famously turned down uh her Victor Victoria nomination. I think the Tonys just said'll well, be we nominated you whether you want it or not. I don't know <laughs> if they <laughs> I don't know if they uh recognize right. someone it someone someone look that
2: up and I'll, I'll look that up when I get off of here and i I don't think I'm wrong though i think I think it was it was a, a point of pride that he felt like it was silly that they were calling him Featured actor <laughs> um, I concur.
1: <laughs> well, Adam, thank you so much for joining us on Broadway Radio. really appreciate you talking to us about it. Oh, always a pleasure. All right. What do we have in last week's Broadway grosses? Um, well,
0: we've got a lot of bad. James, a lot of very, very uh, red numbers. It was a pretty bad week at the box office. Only five of Broadway's 35 returning shows saw numbers in the black, meaning that Broadway dropped almost 10.5% or $4 million from the previous week. The only shows that had week-to-week gains were Tootsie, which rose almost $298,000, Inc., which picked up $101K, Town up $96,000, holler, then uh, What the Constitution Means to Me and To Kill a Mockingbird. Six shows saw, on the opposite side, more than $200,000 declines, and all were family-friendly shows. Wicked was at the bottom with a $390,000 dip, followed by Frozen, Mean Girls, The Lion King, Be More Chill, and Aladdin. The $219,706 drop by Be More Chill, is the most striking to me as the show plummeted down to just $411,116, around 79000 bucks below its previous low week on Broadway. Not looking good there. Similarly, but not nearly to that extent, Mean Girls at $833,504 also did its lowest total on Broadway by more than 102000 bucks below its previous, uh, its previous low. Now, I am sure that both will pick up once kids and families return, but they were both significantly eye-opening to me. But of course, since Mean Girls was still double Be More Chill, uh, Joe Iconis and, and Family are the ones that I would be more concerned about there. Now, despite the box office bloodletting, Hamilton still eclipsed $3,188,000, topping the grosses. The Lion King followed with $2.2 2 Then in Descending Order, we had to kill a mockingbird, Wicked, Cursed Child, Aladdin, Ain't Too Proud, Tootsie, Dear Evan Hansen, Frozen, The Phantom of the Opera, Hades Town, above $1 million for the first time, and The Book of Mormon, all above seven figures. Network took a week off at the end of what would have been one of their extensions. I'm sure Brian Cranston is exhausted. He deserved the week off. Um, but from one legend to another, Frankie and Johnny and the Clear to Loon had a single performance last week and grossed $69,370. Now, all of that's well and good. James Grosses at this time of year. We expect this little divot before things come up in the summer. But the thing of most note to me, James, is that we did not get any totals for the box office receipts. Of Morrissey's in-residence performance, which to me, if they are in a Broadway house and they are booking this as an in-residence on Broadway performance, seems ridiculous. And I think we deserve those receipts. I think we should organize some sort of protest at the Broadway League offices and demand to have those numbers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I I saw that there was a handful of uh, Broadway reviewers that they, they had invited to the uh, opening nights there. So, um, yeah, if you're going to play the Broadway game, play the whole Broadway game, not just the uh, part mm-hmm. that you want.
0: Yeah, not just the geography and the prestige of it. Play the game of giving us the totals and, and inviting the people. Now, I get it. They're, they're only a week. So if they don't want to invite all of the second night reviewers yeah. and all that stuff, that's fine. But you know the Times and you know Vulture and Time Out New York and the main publications that cover theater and Broadway should
1: be there. Hmm. So uh, I didn't hear you say anything about Beetlejuice.
0: Um. Yeah. Beetlejuice. Uh, let me scroll back over to that one. Um. It it had one of those m- m- small declines, fifteen thousand uh, dollar decline. It came in at eight hundred eighteen thousand nine hundred four dollars, um, which is fine it's at like 82 or it's at, um, i'm sorry i was wrong it's at 60.2 percent of its gross potential obviously the winter garden is a large house um so it's got a lot of seats to fill um not great not good or not bad but um has a long way to go to kind of meet the expectations but again with 20 nominations coming in the middle of last week i don't anticipate any of those nominations really having a dramatic impact for another week or so, um, I, I think those will generally impact the folks who are out of town and who want to come over the summer. So I would think that if we do see some of those Tony nominations, especially kind of some of the surprise ones for things like Beetlejuice or Gary or Hades Town, which had the most, so got a lot of publicity with that, um, we'll see that maybe in a couple of weeks when when the calendar turns to June and really uh, after after is it Memorial Day first? Yeah, uh, yeah after yeah. Memorial Day and and we start to see some more folks come into the city but nothing really jumped out other than what we talked about but beetlejuice is fine uh and uh hopefully they'll they'll try to ride those nominations for as much as they can
1: i just didn't know i i saw the beetlejuice uh thing on the today show and and uh alex brightman uh sucking up to al roker and hoda so uh <laughs> he did <laughs> yes he did name
0: dropping all of the hosts and uh exactly. he said that al roker is sexy as hell and i mean Uh, He's not wrong. Yeah, you can't argue that. All right. What do we have in other news? All right. Yesterday, the Roundabout Theatre Company announced that their Tony-nominated revival of Arthur Miller's All My Sons has extended its Broadway run. The Jack O'Brien-directed production starring Annette Benning, Tracy Letts, and Benjamin Walker will now play the American Airlines Theatre through June 30th. Next, I'll remind you of this when it gets closer, but next week, Live with Kelly and Ryan, which is syndicated across the country, will have their own Broadway week and will feature performances by Oklahoma, King Kong, Be More Chill, Tootsie, and Hadestown in daily sequential order. We will have uh, actually a link to a lot of what the songs and performers are in the show notes if you want to check that out. And finally, Hartford Stage released some rehearsal footage of their upcoming world premiere production of the musical adaptation of the film The Flamingo Kid, starring Jeremy Brewer, Adam Heller, Liz Larson, Samantha Macell, Mark Kudish, and Leslie Margarita. The latter two were not featured in the highlights. Uh, The show's... Uh, The the show will begin performances later this week up in Connecticut. Um, James, I have never been a huge fan of Scott Frankel's music, but I love Robert L. Friedman's work uh, as a lyricist in Gentleman's Guide. And of course, there is no name that I like pronouncing more than Darko Treznik. So uh, I'm hoping that we get some good reports when the show begins performances on Thursday. Um, And of course, we we stand Kudish and, and Queen Leslie here on Broadway Radio.
1: Uh, Did you uh, see that whole People Magazine thing with uh, Leslie Kritzer? I did not. Uh, I'm trying to... Uh, People Magazine has called her One to Watch and did a photo spread of her in uh, People Magazine this week. I mean, like, you're about
0: a decade late there. Uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, she's been One to Watch for a long time.
0: Um, Ironically, I'm going to kind of go off script here. Watching some of the the little bit of rehearsal footage that we got of the Flamingo Kid, and obviously the story of the show is very different. But one of the scenes that they showed with Adam Heller singing reminded me a lot of a show that Liz uh, or that um, uh, Leslie Kritzer uh, starred in, and uh, A Catered Affair, um, which is a show that I actually, which is a show that I actually loved. Um, and uh, anyway, more work for Leslie Kritzer, and I hope uh, Beetlejuice gets her as much. Uh, notoriety as it possibly can. And it runs for a long time for her sake, as well as the the great and the good Rob McClure and Carrie Butler and Bright Monster and everybody else over there at the uh, Winter Garden. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter
1: and Instagram at BWW Matt. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending a similar Tuesday with us. And Matt, and I'll be back and talk with you tomorrow.